Guys, great to be sharing with you today. Today we're in part six of this series and the title for today is Stewardship. Do you guys know that you're all stewards? That you're all stewarding something? Because you've all got something. We all use money all the time. We're stewards of our money. We're stewards of the resources that we've got under, under our controls. You're a steward of the gifts and talents you've got. You're stewards of your time. So stewardship is a big deal, and we see it spoken about a lot through the Bible. It's a big deal because it's easy to get pushed out and forget about or think that the stuff in our power and in our control is just little and not worth anything. It's easy within the busyness of life to forget these core principles and the importance of stewardship. But having a stewardship mindset will take how we see the things under our control, our finances, our time, our giftings, our stuff, whatever that may be, to another level. So deciding today to cultivate this mindset of stewardship may well be the breakthrough that you need when it comes to your finances, because money has been a core part of this Abundant Life series that we've been looking at. I want to tell you a story today and start with this story. It's a story that Jesus tells, and it's one of the parables. It's from Luke 19, and it's the parable of the ten minas. And Jesus tells nobleman, we haven't got to that part yet, but you this. Um, Jesus tells of this nobleman to go to a far-off country to be king. And then he would return. What he does is he calls ten servants together, these ten stewards, and he gives each of them one minas. Each a minas is about four months' salary. And he calls them together, he gives them this minas each. Remember what that number 10 represented when we were looking at the tithe. 10 is this number of testing. That it's we as the church, we're tested in our stewardship as a people and as individuals, tested through our stewardship. In the parable, the Lord's servants, this Lord that goes away, this nobleman who comes back a king, are given these 10 minas. And their stewardship of what has been put in their hand is either rewarded or it's not. The 10 minutes that are given to the Lord's servant or to his stewards, and then what happens is the Lord goes away. And then the Lord comes back. And on the king's return, the first steward has taken this one minute, and from this one how many minutes did he make? He made 10 minutes which he presents to the king. What's the king do? He rewards that steward. The king says, well done, my good steward, because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter. I'm going to reward you. And guess what he gives him charge of? In the story, he gives him charge of 10 cities. 10 cities. That's hyperbole to prove a point. That he's faithful with a little. Four months' salary, made to us seem actually it's quite a lot of money, but actually four months' salary in, compared, in comparison to the reward of being given the responsibility over ten cities, it's very small. He's faithful with the little, and as a result, he's trusted with more. He's not just trusted with, okay, well, you can now have eight months' salary, just a little bit more money. He was trusted with some real riches there. 
people's lives. Do you think he's now suddenly trusted with the economy, the welfare, the prosperity, the peace, the success of 10 cities and all the thousands of lives that go within them? The same then happens to the second servant who gives five minas back from the one and the king rewards him. That servant takes charge of five cities. And then we have the third servant. The third servant just gives the king back his mina. He gives him back his mina and the king's angry. That he says, why have you done this? And the servant says, well, I knew you were a harsh man. I was fearful. I, I was afraid. And so what I did was I, I buried it. Have it back. He didn't even put it in a bank, put it on deposit to gain interest. And the king sees this guy and says that he's a bad steward of what has been put in his hands. Because what did he do with the gifts he'd given to him? He buried them. He hasn't managed it well. And then the king says, from the wrong guy and give it to the guy who's got 10. Give it to the guy who's got 10. Give it to the one who's stewarded well. And the others complain. We don't even hear from the other seven, right? But the others, they all complain because there are 10 stewards there. And they say, why, why, is this, why are you doing that? Why is this happening? But where do you think the Lord wants the gifts that he's putting out there. He wants it in the hands of someone who's going to look after him. So this is how Jesus replied in Luke 19, 26. It's this. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. Seems unfair, right? It's speaking about a principle, not that if you have nothing now, God's just going to take everything from you. It doesn't mean that. It seems unfair when you just kind of read that verse in isolation. But what he's really saying is that this kingdom principle that good stewardship is rewarded. Good stewardship is rewarded. And poor stewardship will lead to having nothing. So Jesus tells this parable as they're coming into Jerusalem for the last time, that people there, they're expecting the kingdom of heaven to suddenly come at any point, expecting Jesus to kind of come into his kingdom, this new kingdom to be established. And he tells this story of a king and a kingdom and his servants. He paints this picture of stewardship for us today, a challenge and a test for us today, now and also in the time to come. So it can be so easy to forget what we're stewarding, that we are stewarding, that we have been given so much stuff to steward by God, because often we feel we have very little. But it's what we do with the very little that counts. Your money, your time, your talents, your relationships, your leadership. Who are you leading? Homes, cars, stuff. So here's the big idea from today's message. God rewards good stewardship. God rewards good stewardship. Can I ask, I'm, I'm not going to give it back, okay, so this isn't just like for an illustration. Can I ask, can I have $500? Because I won't give it back to you. Can I have $500? Okay, that, can you bring it up to me, Olga? What generosity, hey? Look at this guy. Look at this guy, hey? Wow, thanks, Elga. Thanks, Elga. So generous, right? Super generous. 
didn't even, didn't even blink much. Why do you think he was so quick to give? Why do you think Elga was so quick to give there? Because it's my money. I gave it to him earlier. I gave it to him earlier before the service, and I said, at some point, at some point, I am going to ask for you to do something with this. I'm going to ask for this back. You know, the reason we often struggle with our stewardship is because we think the money in our accounts and the stuff that we have is ours, and so we struggle to release it. And you see, the steward manages the money and the resources under their stewardship, under their control, but they never consider it theirs, not their money, not their stuff. I believe the early church had this amazing revelation of God's grace and God's favor and God's provision. And that's why we read this um, verse, which I think uh, confused me for years. And I just put it down to they were super grateful and really generous. In Acts 2.44, sorry, yeah, Acts 2.44 and 45. Do you remember this where it says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. There was this radical generosity. But often, I think we just see it, okay, just be super generous, be radically generous. But what was going on beneath the surface? That they had everything in common, but it wasn't this kind of traditional communism where everything kind of belonged to everyone equally. Nothing belonged to anyone. It all belonged to the Lord. They didn't have an equal share in everything. Some people had more, some people had less. But it was all the Lord's. They didn't own everything. Suddenly, no one owned anything, and they became stewards over everything. Some people lived in bigger houses. Some people lived in smaller houses. Some people had more, some people had less. They didn't sell it all and equal out everything, then divvy it up every month. You know, there wasn't like a state payment. It was this revelation. Their whole paradigm had shifted, and it released radical generosity. Because they suddenly realized, hang on, everything is from the Lord's, that he is a rewarder. So look at the servant in, or the servants in the parable of the minas. They behave as if the money isn't theirs, don't they? The, the guy's afraid that if he's going to do something with it, he may lose it. Everything belongs to the Lord. In the story, everything is from the Lord in the first place. Where do we get the money from in the first place? Where do you get your skill, your talent? Where do you get the breath in your lungs that you've got time today to live? He's the one who gives them the minas in the first place. What is the result of a good steward or for the good steward? He is elevated. He's rewarded. A steward manages the Lord's money. Some of us maybe today need to go through a bit of a brain transplant in our thinking with regard to the money that is under our stewardship. Because whether we like it or not, that is the reality. You have money. Even if it's a little, you have stuff. You have time. You have skills. Therefore, by default, you are a steward over it. It's not one of those things where it's just like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea, James. One day I'll get around and say, okay, I'm going to start being a steward now. You are a steward. You have up until now be being a steward. You just may not have been aware of it. So the first step in becoming a good steward is actually to realize that you are one. You are one. 
it's not just for the mega rich guys. We are all stewards of things that God has put in our hands. And to start seeing yourself as one. See, when we see the money as the Lord's money under your control, it becomes easier to give. When, you're a, when you are a steward, as well, let your giving be in secret. Let your giving be in secret. Sometimes folk find out. Don't be like obsessed, but don't shout about it. The point is, who is getting the glory? Who's getting the glory? Let's look, Matthew 6, 2 to 4. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full, the praise of men, their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So often we can really struggle if we aren't recognized or applauded for our giving. Our vision as a church, this just came to me as I was prepping this, our vision as a church is to be a resourcing church. I've shared this through this series. It's to be a resourcing church that we'd see thousands of churches planted because of finances that can go from here and teams and time and skills and talents that can go from here. It's to be a resourcing church to send missionaries. Wouldn't it be amazing if we see thousands of churches planted, hundreds of thousands of people come to faith and no one knows our name. No one knows about us, but he knows about us and people are giving him the glory. How would you feel? Test your heart if you gave millions away and got no recognition for it. Well, you know, that's actually how God feels the whole time. Because actually, it's his money. People are often getting the glory for giving what is God's. But who should get the glory? The steward who sends the payment. And there actually, there is some kind of, there is some kind of glory in that. And the person who's receiving it maybe is recognizing that. And that's great. And that's awesome. But really, at the root, it should be the one whose money it is. I presume you guys have heard of Carolyn Ainsley. Have you guys heard of Carolyn Ainsley? Ha show of hands if anyone's heard of Carolyn Ainsley. Don't say it's my aunt. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's my aunt. Um, sure? Okay. Have you heard of Melinda, Bill and Melinda Gates? Hands up who've heard of Bill, Bill Gates. Bill Gates? We have to, yeah, okay. We've heard of Bill Gates, right? Okay. And Melinda Gates? Losing the name. Okay. Carolyn, who you guys hadn't heard of, is actually the CFO, Chief Financial Officer, of the Gates Foundation. The Gates Foundation gives millions and millions of dollars away every single year. She's kind of that chief steward over all their finances. But we applaud Bill and Melinda Gates, right? for their generosity, not Carolyn for managing that. It's the same for us. The Lord should be applauded, not his stewards. So let's prayerfully approach our finances when we're looking at this. Because stewardship as well isn't just about a willingness to give. This part's maybe a challenge for us to hear, but don't take it as a judgment. Take it now as, okay, I'm going to pick up this. I've, I, I'm challenged in this too. Stu see, stewardship isn't just about a willingness to give. <laughs> you know, That's not just what it's about. It's part of it. 
It's a big part of it. See, when we see money in our control as his, it also impacts how we manage it, how we spend it, how we use it. Sometimes, you know, if it's, if I, if it's your money, you may be, and you're thinking it's your money, you may be not treat it with the respect that it actually deserves, or your skill and your, your talents and your time. But it's his, it's a gift from him. Some people don't see themselves as stewards. Some people see, actually, let's just take money. Money is all for them. It's all for them and their benefit. And then they balk at that idea of giving. And when they do give, they want recognition for it. They want their name on a plaque. They want to be recognized. But they are good stewards at actually practically managing money. They're good stewards in that practical sense. The issue is they steward money for themselves and their benefit, not the kingdom and its advance and the king. On the other hand, and a number of times in my life, I've definitely put myself in this, this bucket. On the other hand, some people are generous. They can give easily. They're ready to give. But actually, they exercise pretty poor stewardship over the practical management of money. If we're not diligent and wise with our finances under our control in either respect, we can exercise and end up with bad stewardship in our willingness to give and in that practical management of money. And then we'll end up in some ways in financial issues. So let's look at that because it is uncomfortable, but it's important that we tackle it head on. And if this is an issue for you, come chat to me. Let's talk about this stuff because it's big stuff, it's important. So two, bad stewardship and its results. Some people blame God for their financial problems, but then they have just gone and blown a load of money on something which they're having to pay for and are going into debt for. See, often we can end up managing our money badly. Or maybe it is we didn't pray about the way it was supposed to be used and, sp and to spend that money. I think it's important to remember that God is not responsible for the bills he never asked you to take on. He's got an amazing grace for us and often provides and pulls us out of that because debt is horrible and it is, it's ugly and that is never his will for us. But often we end up in this place and it's not God that's done it, it's us that's done it. So we may have made some bad decisions. You may be in a challenge or been in challenges, but that is okay. There is a way out. God is a restorer and he is a redeemer. If that is you, if there are financial challenges, please come and chat to me. Let's talk through it. The results of bad stewardship over our finances are profound. In many areas, just one example, one of the biggest areas of marriage breakdown is to do with communication over finances. It has a significant impact on us. Well, Jesus speaks about it so much, how we handle money. How we handle and manage our money is important. If we spend all we get, then what do we have left to sow? You know, the Bible speaks about giving and or our work. It says work so that you'll have something to give. Because remember, we've been promised that he would take care of all our needs. That's the point of when we work, we, we bless people through our actual work. But then also in our, in our remuneration, it's so we'd have something to give. Stewardship should result in you having more than enough. And ultimately, stewardship is to advance the kingdom. So take a moment, challenge yourselves. 
How are you using your time? How are you using your resources, your talents, your skills? It can be an uncomfortable question, but it's important because good stewardship is very important. It's very important. Don't let it get pushed out. The problem in the story that the bad steward had was fear, was fear. He buried the gift that the Lord had given him, that buried the gift that was in his hands for fear of failure, for fear of not doing it right. Who thinks in this parable the king is an idiot? Anyone think the king's an idiot? I don't. I know this is a story Jesus is telling, but I think in any kind of sto- in that kind of situation, I don't think the king is a foolish king. The king isn't made out to be a foolish king, is he? He's a wise king. He chooses ten servants to give the same amount to, who he thought would have the skill to do the job, to steward the money well. The third servant has less faith in his skill, in his ability to steward what was given to him than the king had in him. You know, sometimes we think like that, that our ability is very small. Maybe we believe the lies that we've been told year on year on year, you're terrible with money, you'll never do anything with money, you can't can't do this, you can't do that. And actually we end up fearing we end up fearing, and out of fear, we don't steward wisely or courageously. But God has put that stuff in your hands for a reason. And I'm not just speaking about money, your talents and your skills, all these things he's put in your hands for a reason. So don't believe the lie that you can't be a good steward, because the Lord calls us all to be good stewards, that you're not educated enough or you're not clever enough Don't fear. Do not bury. Do not bury what God has given you to steward. So take stewardship very seriously. It's not just about being willing to give. That's a reminder. It's not just about being willing to give. It may mean crunching the numbers, working out how to do what God is asking you to do. It may mean managing, changing the whole way that you manage your finances and look at your finances. But always remember, God rewards good stewardship. So last one, last point here for you guys. God is a rewarder of good stewardship. Pastor Robert Morris, who's done a lot of teaching on this whole area of finance, much of what we've been sharing and looking at comes out of his teachings. An amazing, amazing teacher in that. He tells a story of one of his friends. And I just want to share that because I think, I think it's a, an amazing illustration for thinking through stewardship. And his friend, there was a building project in his church and they were raising funds. And he went outside one day and he's praying, God, do you want me to give? And God said to him, give 50,000 US dollars. And the guy's like a normal guy. He's thinking... I don't have 50,000 US dollars. That's a lot of money. So he goes outside into his garden and then he looks, he's looking up at the sky, praying, okay, God, what are you going to do? How are you going to bring this money to me? And how's it going to, how's it going to work? And God says to him, what are you doing looking up, staring at the sky? Do you think I'm going to drop $50,000 out of an aeroplane on top of you? 
go inside and crunch the numbers. And that is exactly what he did. So he did it. To meet what the Lord was asking him to do, he had to budget. He had to look. He had to do some serious accounting work. He had to open Excel. Excel is very spiritual now. He had to open Excel and create that and look in their whole life and where for their family they had to cut and reduce and change their lifestyle. Because often when God says stuff to us, maybe he'll ask a big ask and that will mean you need to change your lifestyle slightly. And that can be a challenge. And so they work out and for three years, month by month, they start paying for this building project. And the last payment went through of that 50,000 the day that the whole building project was completed. That is what an example of stewardship can look like. Cutting back, Excel spreadsheets, number crunching, working it out. So the guy goes home after that, three years later after that, he wasn't out for three years, but three years later after that service where the final payment was given. And there's a knock at the door from the local airport. And the guy says to him, we've been doing a study over this whole area. And we've studied the whole landing flight path. So remember, he's looking up in the sky and we've seen the airplanes coming over. And, and he says, we've, been, we've seen that your home's probably been devalued. And he gave him a check for 50,000 US dollars. And the guy walks out into his garden and he looks up into the, he's looking up and God just says to him, I can drop it out of an airplane if I want to. I can drop it out of an airplane, so I can drop it out of the sky if I want to. But that's the reality of stewardship. It's not just about, it's not just about, you know. Sometimes it happens like that. Sometimes it happens like that, and we've got to be willing, if that happens, 50,000 there, and it's gone by the end of the day. We've got to be willing for that. That is stewardship. But also stewardship may mean, okay, I need to do some serious budgeting. I need to open Excel. He wants us to learn to steward and that he is a rewarder of good stewardship. I just want to take this moment to highlight one thing that's super important. Rewards should not be our motivation. Rewards should never be our motivation for being a good steward should never be the motivation. We steward because we love him. We steward because we honor him. But we steward because we want to see the kingdom advance. We steward because it's what he's called us to do and be. But it is a reality that we've been wired to like rewards, right? It is a reality that we should expect that to happen, that he would reward good stewardship. Why do we steward well then? Why is it we should steward well? It's about the heart. It always, with money, comes back to the heart. Where is your heart at when it comes to money and stuff? Is your money your money? Or is it God's money? Is it your money or God's money? It's impossible to steward God's money for kingdom advance to the very best of your ability if you see it as your money that you're kind of lending to God for a project. If you don't believe God rewards a good steward, it makes it very hard to steward. Something we need to know, God wants to bless you. Poverty and 
Calamity is never a promise in the Bible for when you're doing something great, right? God wants to bless you. Do you believe that? He wants to bless you so that you can bless others. Do you have confidence in the rewarder? Do you have confidence in the rewarder? People maybe often balk at this concept as well of God rewarding or good stewards getting more. Like those 10, the 10 stewards in the story. Why are you giving them more? But the issue is often those people who are don't like that idea of, okay, well, actually, if you're a good steward, God, you're going to get more. Often people don't like that idea. And the people who don't like that idea are money-focused, not God-focused. That they see the money as theirs. And so if they were rewarded, they would suddenly have more. And they see that you suddenly have more. It's not that at all. It's God has given more of what is his into their hands because they just happen to be better at stewarding it at the moment. They, it's just very different. See, a steward sees the reward as being entrusted with more responsibility, more to manage, more to steward. When you think of reward, where's your heart at? When you think of reward, where is your heart at? Is it about you getting more stuff? Or is it far more beautiful than that? Is it far, is there, is it far more honorable than that? That the king of glory has entrusted something more to you to steward it for him. Would that steward in the story, the, what, the first steward, would he have personally benefited by being responsible for 10 cities? Yeah, he probably would. In some shape or form, he probably would. But were they his cities? No, they belonged to the king. Our motivation for good stewardship should not be reward, but we should expect it. It's just the natural flow. It's the principle. We shouldn't be surprised by it. And understand it comes even with greater responsibility and a greater honor. So what is the little in your care? That question. What is the little in your care? Start where you're at. Start where you're at. Be faithful with the little and more will be entrusted to you. Start that journey of stewardship today. If you haven't, if you've never seen yourself as a steward, start that today, because he rewards good stewardship. So guys, I just want to end with a very serious, but often forgotten about reality. Let's go big picture. Matthew 24, 45 to 47. Who then is the faithful and wise servant or steward, right? Whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. One day, Jesus is coming back. That is a truth. That's a reality. One day, you and I, we will all stand before him and we'll be judged for our works that we've done here on earth. Not a judgment on sin, because Christ has paid for that, but a judgment on your life. Paul, he writes about this to many places. I'm going to look at two verses. Paul writes about this. Remember, these verses, they're written to the church. They're written to believers. Romans 14.10 says this, You then... Why do you judge your brother or sister? 
Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Seat, remember that word? 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat. Seat, remember that word, of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. When writing to the church, Paul uses this specific Greek word for seat. It's different from when they speak about people being judged for their sin, the judgment throne of God. It's a different word. It's this Greek word called bima. Sat in a beamer. That's what I was thinking of. So it's not. It's a seat. It's a seat. And actually, the word is a very peculiar word. And it comes. It was a special seat that they had. The Greek word in the Olympics when somebody would be awarded their prize for their race, for their com- for, for what they for their event. When someone would be rewarded for what they had done. And. <clears throat> When believers stand before the beamer of Christ, <laughs> sorry, I just I can't help but laugh at that. When believers stand before the beamer of Christ, it will be for the express purpose of being rewarded according to their works. Remember, Paul speaks about running his race. Our stewardship of everything we have been given, our money, our time, our relationships, the truth of the gospel itself. What are you doing with that seed that you have in your heart? That hope, do you keep it in a bag tucked up in here? Oh, plant that some. Oh, there's one. It's hard sometimes to sow. What are we doing with what's been put in our hands? For those things. We will be judged for them. We'll be awarded and rewarded for them. So whilst it seems far off that day, it is very real. And so this lesson of stewardship is so important for our lives on earth now, for managing what's been putting our hands now for kingdom advance, but also for that far off day that will come. So guys, can worship team, can I just invite you back up again? If you've been sat here today and you're thinking, man, I am really struggling with money. I'm really struggling with money. I can really do with some help. Practically, practically. Please come and let me know. If you're interested in doing some kind of finance course, good handling of money, things like that, we'll find someone who can do a training in that and we'll do it because it's so important. If you're here today and know you need to make a change in your mindset towards stewardship, towards the stuff under your control, just in our response time, speak to him right now. Speak to him. Just invite the Holy Spirit in to give you the revelation that all that is yours is from him belongs to him and is for his glory and i just want to take this moment because i know sometimes that can seem scary but remember god has promised that he would always meet our needs that he would always provide bread and seed for the sower so if you're here today and you're listening to the podcast and you're suddenly thinking you know the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you or you felt something in your heart and you're like, I want to follow this Jesus. I want to receive what he purchased for me. I want to start following him. I just want to invite you to pray this prayer after me. 
Jesus, thank you for paying the price for my sin. Thank you for cancelling my debt with God. Thank you, Jesus, that you steward, stewarded your life, even to death, that I would be saved. And the Lord would be glorified. I choose to follow you today. I choose to give you my life today. In your name. Amen. Guys, we're just going to have a time of prayer. I'm going to pray and then we'll come around. If you want prayer, just have your hands flat and open in front of you and we'll pray. Father, thank you for this message, God. Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would challenge each of us where we're at, God, with regard to our stewardship of the things you've given us, our finances, our stuff, God, our skills, our talents, everything. The people that we lead, maybe. And Holy Spirit, just come and speak to us right now. Give us revelation, and Lord, that, you, that we'd go out at a higher place, in a different place, Lord. And I thank you, God, that you reward good stewardship. Lord, I pray for us individually and us as a church that this area would just completely transform for us. Lord, I pray that we would be able to bless people around the world just abundantly. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you meet each person where they're at on the things on their heart and in their minds, God just now in this subject, Lord, that you would speak to them and witness to them. In Jesus' name, amen.